Hey, we've been talking about, uh, for the last several weeks, we've been in this Generous God series, and it's been so good for me. I hope it's been good for you. Um, it's, it's difficult, right, this idea of generosity and what it means um, for us to have the same heart as our Father, right? And we, it's, a, it's a thing that we, I think, are going to constantly um, struggle with um, because of uh, human nature, right? But I think it's exciting when we get to uh, hear stories of how God and the Holy Spirit have been working in us uh, to, to renew our hearts and to make us new and to give us those areas in our life that, um, that have really felt redeemed, right? In that moment of saying, um, this is something I struggled with and um, in being able to sort of be vulnerable and, and also just and be a, a heart of surrender to say, I'm not gonna hold on to this so tightly and try to do everything myself because our humanity says, work harder, uh, you can fix it and be better, you know? And I think it's more about how do we have this life of surrender that says, um, I am not my own. Uh, that God, that you can do this work in me. Um, and so I've been talking with my friends, uh, Amanda and Michael Gandhi, uh, for a while, and I've wanted them to share their story for so long. And now it just felt like this finally fit uh, because they have a story really that when we talked about it, it's a lot of different things, but it really comes down to learning to be generous with themselves and therefore generous with each other. Uh, so today, it, they have the floor. They're going to share their story of how uh, God has worked in them um, and made them new. So please welcome Amanda and, um, and Michael Gandhi. Thank you. Okay. Good morning, church. Uh, Good morning. Amanda and I are very excited to be here. Um, Carrie, we'd like to thank you for the app encouraging us to share our story. Thanks for everybody for being here, lending a listening ear this morning. Uh, especially want to thank all our friends and family who are here today. Uh, they've been on this journey with us and they've supported us throughout the years. So we're very excited and grateful that they're here. Before uh, Amina and I share our story, I'd just like to say a quick word of prayer and ask for God's blessings on what we share today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good day, your goodness. Thank you for bringing all of us together. Uh, thank you for the blessing of community and of friends and family. Uh, be with the men and I as we share our message. Uh, may you speak through us. May we speak your words. And may your story be shined um, in, in, in this message. We ask all these in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, men and I um, go a long ways. Amin and I met 10 years ago, uh, more than that, at, at Calvin College. Uh, both of us come from very devout Christian families. We were taught to be Christian, live the Christian life, do the right thing. Um, and we did that all along the way. About seven years ago, Amin and I decided to start the journey of marriage. We came into this marriage knowing that we had to live the Christian life. We tried. Um, we tried to stay on the right path, and we tried to do everything we could to keep our marriage together. At this time, we were living in Chicago, uh, a place I would call home. I grew up in a very big city, so Chicago was a place where I was very comfortable. Uh, I thrived, and I enjoyed being there. On the other hand, Amanda came to something very new. She never lived in a big city. Well, she grew up in a small city up north here in Michigan where they had one stoplight. Uh, 
So when I visited her, I, was, I felt very much out of place. So I could relate to how she felt when she came to spend time in Chicago with me. Though we had a very, very strong bond of friendship, we each lived very different lifestyles. And we had a very difficult time working together as a team. It wasn't the best, I wouldn't define it as the best start of our marriage. After four years of making through our, going through marriage, going through life, trying to do the right thing, live the Christian life, we decided it was time to move to Grand Rapids because we felt that a change in our environment um, would lead us to a better marriage. Well, we were very wrong. Um, we realized that moving from Chicago was just a band-aid. We had, we, it revealed to us that we had much deeper significant issues that Amina and I had to work through in our lives, individually as well as a team. If you know Amina and I, and more, most of our friends can attest to it, we have very different opinions in everything, in every area of our lives. <laughs> we are very opposite personalities. A relationship, one's, one's relationship, the other is task-oriented. One's structured, one's spontaneous. One's people-driven, the other one is very much a task-driven person. Uh, we are, if I could say it this way, we are a living proof that opposites attract. Despite the differences and the frustrations of trying to make our marriage work uh, beyond friendship, we knew we, our relationship could be better. We knew we wanted a better relationship, a Christ-centered relationship. We knew our marriage could thrive and not just survive. So we came to a point where we, we knew that our communication skills were pretty good. We were great friends, we could talk really well, but just because of our differences, we just kept clashing. And we tried everything to fix our marriage on our own, and I came to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to fix things. I need outside counsel. Michael wasn't too thrilled about this idea. I needed help. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm just going to go by myself if that's what it takes, if that's that's it. So I talked to my mom. I was like, I need to go somewhere. I need to talk to someone. And so, of course, she turned to Google, and we found Life Center. And I was just looking for a place that I could talk openly about our Christian faith and how we wanted to incorporate that into our marriage and how we would work forward toward it. Um, what I didn't know was that Life Center did this in a very unique way. And we learned that the counselors were focused on discipling us to first understand our identity in Christ and give us the tools to live from the Spirit with God as our counselor. So here's what we learned in our first session. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete. So we are a three-part being. So first we have our body, which is our physical body that we live in here on earth, and our five senses. This is how we act, live out every day, right? Now we have our soul. Now our soul consists of a few things. We have our mind, which is our 
thinking, where we, we have our thoughts and we um, have our belief system, what we believe. And then we have our emotions, everything that we feel. We have feelings all the time, right? And then we have our will. So this is where we make our choices of how we live our day. Um, this is our soul. So then we have our spirit. As born-again Christians, we accept Jesus as our Savior. We have our spirit. And um, this is a place of our true identity. This is the place of our fellowship with and where, how we worship God. And this is where the Holy Spirit resides in us. So this is our direct access to God. So now we, in, in the Bible, as we are new, um, new in him, we are a new, new person in him, he has called us many incredible names. We are holy. We are righteous. We are perfect. We are loved. We are all of these things, all of these things and many more in him because he died for us. However, because we live here on earth, we don't always believe these things or remember them. So what happens is in our formative years, ages birth through 14, we come across, you know, growing up here, we come across our, the main people in our life that we're growing up with are in our environment. We have our people that we interact with who send us messages in our life and via experiences that we have, these form our belief system. Some of these beliefs are true, some of them are false, some are lies. So these lead to our belief system in our mind. In our mind we have our beliefs which are truth or lies. Now truth is great. Truth is we're believing that we're holy, righteous, perfect, loved, and all of those great things. Lies make us feel pretty crummy. Now when we feel pretty crummy, we, don't, we want to get rid of that feeling. So what do we do about it? We can either live from the spirit or we can live from the flesh. Now what does the flesh mean? Flesh is not our like, flesh of the body. Flesh is our, I can live self-sufficient without God here on earth. So this is, there's two ways that we can live from our flesh. Positive flesh and negative flesh. So positive flesh, an example would be perfectionism. churchaholic, um, workaholic, these things that are seemingly good on the outside. Then for negative flesh, it can be anxiety, it can be um, alcoholism, and it could be uh, depression, and many other. The list goes on for both positive and negative flesh. So what happens is we're doing great, we're feeling good, we're doing things that make us feel better, but then there's only so much longer that we can try harder, do more, do this, do that. So we get frustrated and we go down to our negative flesh. And then oh, we get tired of that and we want to do better again. So we go back up to our positive flesh and try harder. And it becomes this vicious cycle of flesh. But this is all, if we instead live from the flesh, if we live from the spirit, that's where we want to be. That's our sweet spot. So now our counselor incredible woman, uh, God-fearing woman, assisted us in being led by God to learn what lies we were believing and how we were coping with them. So <clears throat> I call this the secret sauce, right? Um, once I knew this, I had it. Um, it was my aha moment. So 
uh, going back to my childhood, uh, the messages that I received and the experiences that I had um, made me want to focus on my time and my energy in strengthening my weaknesses and purely focused on that rather than uh, having a better balance of focusing on developing my weaknesses as well as cherishing my accomplishments and celebrating my accolades. What this did to me is I subconsciously started believing that I am not good enough. And I brought that into our marriage. If you know me, I'm a very relational person. I thrive on people. So I always go above and beyond to help people, to love people, to care for people, and to serve them. However, when I didn't receive feedback with the people that I interacted, with the people that I served and loved, then I would quickly revert to the people that acknowledged my actions and acknowledged my words. So I started seeking my identity in people. So this became a pattern in our marriage. Whenever I felt that I was not good enough for Amanda, I decided to go elsewhere and see. Well, where else would I go other than work, colleagues, and social groups? I was really good at my job, so I started working long hours. I was really good at finding friends, so I found a lot of colleagues and friends and social groups in Chicago. And this got me into a spiral that I never expected to get into. Soon I was spending long days into nights at work. I was focused more on spending time at happy hours with friends rather than spending time with my wife. Indulging in client entertainment that would go into the wee hours of the night and then focused very much on pleasing these group of people that didn't really bring out the positive in me and so much so that they brought out the negative in me that I spent time enjoying, indulging in pride, in arrogance, in money, in alcohol, and in lust. Soon I realized Amanda was not even in my life. And though this made me feel good, I knew I wasn't on the right path. Then as we went through the journey of counseling, it came, this came to me, and it was the aha moment, right? God revealed to me. I realized that I was in this vicious cycle that Amanda said, that, when, that I would go between the positive flesh and the negative flesh, and I never ever approached what I was struggling with or confronted my false beliefs through the spirit within me, right? Um, so I, once I realized this, and once I, could, I was able to escape you know, the workaholism, the alcoholism, uh, and so on and so forth, the list could go on, I was able to live through my spirit. And I'm going to read this for you guys because um, this is from a verse in Hebrews, and this is kind of what hit me. It said, He has perfected for all the time those who are sanctified, and that's me. So that revealed to me that I was perf perfect in him and I didn't need anybody's acknowledgement or anybody's l appreciation to say that I'm perfect. Then 
I had to, it was a process by the way, I had to work through what that looked like on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, but I was able to tell myself that I wasn't a person who loved and cared and served others for their acknowledgement, but only for, only to praise and glorify God. So what this looked like in our marriage is that I stopped working long hours. I, start, I started saying no to client entertainment into the wee hours. I started not going to social, hour, uh, social events, happy hours, and started refocusing my life, started reshaping my life, and giving my best friend the highest priority uh, in my time and in my effort, and putting our marriage in the forefront of my life. And every, however, as this happened, I still would slip back into my old actions of going into my positive flesh and negative flesh. But I remind myself using Galatians 1.10 that says, I am trying to win, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. So I had to make that decision of do I want to be a servant of the people or do I want to be the servant of God? And if I lived through my spirit, I would be a servant of God because I am made perfect, I am made holy in him. Now I had been believing the lie that I was, based, I was loved based on what I do. Growing up, I interpreted with my you know, very smart seven-year-old brain that I would be loved if I did my weekly chores, got good grades, went to church, did the right thing. Now, this translated to my adult life where I continued these expectations on my life and inferred them upon those around me, including Michael. Now, I always had to be productive, be working, doing laundry, keeping the house clean, and if I wasn't, I subconsciously held the feeling of guilt that I was losing my worth, that I didn't deserve to be loved by others, let alone God. And so consequently, I would fall into a depressive state and just be extremely critical of myself. But praise be to God because he opened my eyes that I was believing this horrific lie and he revealed that I am loved no matter what I do or don't do. He, um, he just loves me. There's nothing I could do to earn his love and there's nothing I can do to lose it. And it was a sense of freedom to learn that I didn't have to believe this lie anymore. So I don't have to be bound to this pattern of living. So Michael was gone for work one week. And, um, and I decided that I wouldn't need to keep the house tidy anymore because it didn't matter. <laughs> so he came home and he didn't say anything. He was very sweet. So I brought it up being all proud. I was like, did you see the kitchen's a mess? And he was like, yeah, uh-huh. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I decided I wasn't going to clean this week because God loves me no matter what, whether I clean it or not. And he was like, okay, all right. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with keeping a house clean. There's nothing wrong with being productive. But what is the source that I'm living from when I do, when I do these things? Am I doing it being driven by guilt? Or am I living from the Spirit and therefore since I believe that I'm loved no matter what I do, I can do what he set before me joyfully because he's given me, he's, I'm a steward of everything that he's given me. And I just want my life to reflect his glory because he is so good. For Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. 
So as God worked in our hearts individually, we slowly started to see that our differences were no longer a hindrance to our marriage, and we actually complemented each other, and we started learning how, with God as our leader, we could work together as a team. As I said earlier, we have very different lifestyles, very different perspectives, very different opinions. Um, before we began this journey, Amanda and I were not always on the same page. Most times than not, we were not on the same page about how we want to grow our family or when we want to grow our family. However, during this journey, we both felt called to become foster parents. At, and this happened at the same time where we came together to talk about it and both of us brought up the same topic and both of us were in agreement. It was hard to believe. Uh, I kid you not, this was the first time we experienced a shared perspective, so we knew we had to walk in faith and pursue this journey. Because of the work we went through individually, we have been able to provide a home that is built on faith, that is built on love, and that is built on care for our little guy, Ryan, who's probably causing a ruckus in there. <laughs> And we were able to provide him a very stable environment home, which is really what he needed. As we leaned on God through this process, and despite the difficult times that we've had in this journey um, as foster parents, God has brought the best out of both of us, uh, something that is hard to believe. And he's shown the goodness that he gives uh, when we're led by his spirit. Today mark, marks the six months of when Ryan came came into our family. These past six months have been a roller coaster ride, um, hard than we imagined. The only reason we're, st we're still on this roller coaster uh, and loving every moment of it is because of God's generosity and His love towards us. What God did up until the day that our little guy came into our lives and what He continues to do in our hearts every single day allows us to love, care, and provide for each other and for our boy. So the hardest part of living through the Spirit for us is knowing that God speaks to each of us differently. And nobody could give us a step-by-step -step process of what it will look like. So while we support each other in our walks with God, we've learned that the journey for each of us looks different and God's revelations to us occur at different times. So our main takeaways are, one, we need an encouraging and supporting community so that we can remind one another who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us. Two, we should not settle for okay. We need to press into the difficult, for God wants us to thrive and not just survive. And finally, life is a process. Some days will be easier than others, but through it all, we need to remember that God is good, God does good, and he works everything together for our good. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each person here today, all of us from different backgrounds with different experiences. We're all made in your image, and you love us so much. I pray boldly that we will throw off the lies we've believed and replace them with the truth that we are holy, dearly loved, righteous, and perfect in you. Be our strength and wisdom so that everything we do, we do in your name. We love you and praise you and give you all the glory. Amen.